Um, I want to just kind of talk about where we're going with this today. We're going to be talking about signs, wonders, and miracles. Uh, those are the words that the Bible uses to describe the miraculous work of God, the supernatural uh, work of God. And, um, you know, we've, we've been in Acts for several weeks now. We're, we've been journeying through, and we've, we've talked about a lot of miracles, but we haven't really necessarily focused on them as miracles themselves. We've just kind of said, okay, this is what happened, this is what God did, and, you know, and, and, and here's what we're to learn from that. But, but this is really kind of the first time that we're going to stop right here in the book of Acts, and we're just in the fifth chapter, and there's a lot more chapters to go. And there's a ton, a ton of miracles in this book. In fact, there are over 20 individual miracles uh, that are listed, like this particular miracle happened. But then there are many other times where Luke, who wrote this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when he simply said there were many signs and wonders done. And so we don't even know how to count those. We just know that there was a lot of them going on. And this is, this is interesting to us because um, the word miracle is used a lot today, but often not in a biblical sense. Uh, it's used as of something that's a, a coincidence or something, you know, that good that happened or, or it's used in an, it's abused. It's, it's used in some way by someone who's trying to get money out of somebody. But what about legitimate miracles? Is that something that you and I here in Columbus, Mississippi, in Lowndes County, that, that we really ought to be concerned about or think about today? Or is that something just from the distant past or something that the missionaries in Asia and Africa, is that something for them or does God have something to say to us here in America about this today? Think about what we've already looked at so far in, in Luke. In Luke chapter 1 verse 3, we, we, uh, we see Jesus and his miraculous resurrection is referred to. Later on in, Luke, in, in that first chapter of Acts, Jesus ascends, another miraculous act. In Acts chapter 2, after the apostles and the early believers have been gathered together praying and asking for God's will and asking for his spirit to come, supernatural wind enters the building where they are and tongues of fire supernaturally appear above their heads. Then they go out of that place and supernaturally they speak in, in tongues or that is in languages that they had never learned themselves and yet the native speakers of those languages who are gathered there for religious celebration, they all hear in their own heart language, their own native tongue. We read later on in chapter 2 in verse 43 that many signs and wonders, many miracles were done by the apostles. In chapter 3, we, we read about Peter and John who are going to the temple, and they meet that lame man who had been lame since birth, unable to ever walk. He asks for money, and they give him a miracle instead. God works through Peter. And this man who had never walked in his life over 40 years old begins walking and leaping and praising God. In verse 5, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the church. And Peter said, and by doing so, you have not lied 
to me, you have not lied to men, Ananias and Sapphira, but you have lied to God. And they were each miraculously struck down for that sin. And then we come to this passage today. I want to ask if you would please stand with me in honor and reverence for reading of the Word of God. Follow along in your Bible or on the screen. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 to 16. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages surrounding uh, Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits. And they were all healed. Would you pray with me? Father, we come today, Lord, knowing that your word says that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have not changed, either in your love for us or in your mighty power. God, you work as you see fit according to your timetable and not ours. And Lord, may we never think that we might manipulate you into doing as we please, but Father, may we also never put you in a box and seek to limit what you can do. Work in us and through us today, we pray by your Holy Spirit and in Jesus' name, amen. As we seek to look at what the Bible has to say to us about these signs and wonders, I want us to think, to watch a short video that really answers the question, is God still working in miraculous ways today? Or at least it's a testimony of God's work in one particular situation. And we say good morning, America. On this Monday morning, I'm here with Chris and Sam, and Juju is nice enough to be here with us. Diane, feeling a little bit under the weather today. Here's something we can all agree on. Two words, miracle pastor. The man is diagnosed. He has very serious cancer in his lung. He's got a tumor in his head. He says prayer will take care of it. Lo and behold. Mm -hmm. He never lost faith, and though his doctors cannot explain that his cancer is disappearing. They can't explain it. Is it a miracle? We'll let you be the judge. It's as simple as that. But yeah. first, we're going to get some new details for you in the case. Diagnosed stage four, the worst cancer, and then it all goes away. 
They call him the Miracle Pastor. You'll meet him, and let's say your kids are gone, and... Second Acts, where do you move? What do you do? We'll share it with you in this half hour. We just like to hear the song. I know, let's keep going. I like it. <laughs> Speaking of changes, let's keep the theme going a little bit, keep the okay. music going. Keep it going. We're going to get to meet the Miracle Pastor. What changed with him to keep the music going? The doctors <laughs> said he had stage four cancer. The doctors ah. call him a miracle. You'll ah. find out why. You're going to get to meet him. And believe it or not, there's a little flurry going on around here. And all right, Sam, now to the man we've been talking to you about all morning, he's been called the Miracle Pastor, and that's by doctors. Doctors told him he had incurable cancer, less than a year to live. But then his story took a turn that stunned even his medical team and left them with an unexplained medical mystery. Some would even say it is a miracle. Whatever's happening on the outside, we praise you. Whether preaching to his flock at Grace Baptist Church in Anderson, Indiana, or riding the rapids in his kayak, Pastor Lee Crockett always lived life to the fullest until he had a seizure last summer. My wife said I was making these awful sounds, and she looked over, and I was just convulsing out of control. A brain scan revealed a tumor. Then doctors found another tumor in his lung. They had seen this kind of thing before. Everyone in the room was sobbing except him, and that, that's what really gave us hope and gave us strength. But this distant relative of Davy Crockett had more than just hope. He had a congregation back home praying for faith to overcome what seemed to be a scientific certainty that he was going to die. But the Bible tells us in Ezekiel 3... He never gave up hope, continuing to preach from his hospital room. Doctors operated on his brain first and discovered good news. This wasn't a malignant cancer at all. This was a, a benign brain tumor. As the good news came in, we, we got more and more excited and we're just rejoicing that God had done this. But he still had a lung cancer. Doctors were sure of that. But a few weeks later, when they removed the tumor... It didn't look like a malignant cancer either. It looked like the same type of tumor that was in his brain. He was cured. The cancer was gone. This is really unusual. It's so unusual that we'll be reporting it in the medical literature. And we're joined by Pastor Lee Crockett now. And Pastor, we were speaking just before. It's so unusual to have, this is no debate between science and medicine and faith on the other side. These are the doctors who are saying they can't understand it. We got all the facts right, right? Right, right. They said stage four. Right. They took a needle and tested the tumor and right. said malignant. Right. All the worst things you could hear, and then they disappear. The doctors have no explanation. Do you? Do you believe this was a miracle? Well, I told my doctors, I said, I really appreciate you all have done a great job. You're tremendous doctors. But you told me this was incurable. I think the great physician had a hand in this. The great physician, <laughs> that's right, because there is no other explanation. Right, there right. really wasn't, because, and it, it is a little scary. Even as a, as a Christian, I've always thought, will I be ready? I had some wild teen years. I had a few close calls and car accidents and, and gang fights, and, and I would go home and literally cry like a baby in my pillow because I was so unready to, to, to die. And I thought, as a Christian now, I'm ready. And when they were telling me that, I, there was a lot more peace than I thought there would be. Okay, I'm going to die. It's God's time. And that's okay, but I know God could heal me if he wanted to. And then when all of a sudden they came back and told me, well, first it was kind of still shocking when they gave sure. me news after news. You've got a tumor in your head. We don't think that's the primary. Yep, we found a big tumor in your, your lung. We think that's the primary. We're going to do biopsy. Those are more painful than I thought they'd be. That's and then right. they said, this is it. 
But then you had to be nervous because they were so wrong the first time. Maybe when they say it's not a problem anymore, maybe they have it wrong. I mean, I'm sure there were lots of doubts for you. Not really, because they had explained it so much that they had explained that all the probability is that this large tumor in your head is not the primary, and then they found the one in my lung. So everything they had been telling me that was dire at first kept happening just about just like they said. Mm. In fact, they said the primary will probably be somewhere in your torso, probably your lungs, maybe somewhere else. They found it in my lung. Then they do the biopsy, and they said, we have really bad news, and it's, it's lung cancer. And I never knew. They said, this is the most incurable. I thought of Dana Reeves, right. you know. The nation was shocked. She wasn't a smoker. They kept, you're not a smoker. No, I'm not a smoker. My dad died. He was a lawyer. He died of lung cancer, and he wasn't a smoker. Never smoked a cigarette in his life. And, and so I knew. I remember when the nation was shocked that, hey, how can this happen to Dana? She's not a smoker. Right. My dad had just died shortly before that. And he wasn't a smoker. You know, it's interesting. 23 years now, you've been the pastor there. And with the word miracle, you want to be careful because you're right. afraid of charlatans. You don't That's want people right. to go out and start paying for prayer help. Exactly. But prayer was important, right? I believe so. And there's a, there's a passage in the old King James that says, where Christ said, you have not because you ask not. So the other side of that coin, some hucksters use that to, to fleece people, really. You know, pay me this and we'll give you a miracle right. at, a, at a time when people are most vulnerable. And that's why I'm a little, little antsy with the word, but you're right. Christ did say, I, I think it's a matter of, hey, God wants you to trust him. And, and if you trust him, sometimes he'll respond. And I was humbled to find out while I was in the hospital, the people of the church had gotten together and had this, this long, agonizing prayer meeting. And it seemed like it was right after that that the pathologist came and said, you know, that, that we had that tumor, we had a big sample of it without any equivocation. We said, this is lung cancer, most incurable, you're incurable. And they were talking about, we want to try chemo, this, 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 and then uh, no, no cancer in it. I didn't even have to have any radiation, chemo, anything. I mean, at least for medical purposes of that kind of change, that's a miracle. Pastor, I appreciate so much you joining us today. Well, thank you very much, Chris. I really do. I'm really I'm glad to be able to shake your hand. It's nice to meet you. It's great meeting you. And that's so please have a seat. Please okay. have a seat. You don't have to go yet. Okay. We still have a little bit of TV. <laughs> okay. Then we'll talk. Okay. See that? He's so ready to get on with his life. Wasn't he? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> when we come back, how about the rest of you who are ready to relocate to a new city? We've got a road map for you. We're going to tell you about the best cities. I don't want to hold up the pastor anymore. We'll be right back. <laughs> Fifty-nine, and uh, how interesting that would be. But that's uh, that's his brother. Not only by that story, I show you that one because it's the only miracle story I have on video of miracles I have personally seen. Um, but I have seen and I have heard uh, God's hand at work in many lives, in many supernatural ways in my lifetime. It's an interesting thing as we think about what God wants us to know uh, about miracles. We know that they are a sign meant to point people to Jesus Christ. Miracles are not something to build up someone's self-esteem. They're not something to make someone uh, popular or to prove a point. Uh, they're not something, uh, a way of manipulating God. In fact, when Jesus was on earth in his er earthly ministry, they kept 
some certain people who wanted their own agenda. They wanted to test him, and they said, show us a sign as if he had not performed enough miracles. But they were never enough for him. He always wanted more, like people who always want a little bit more proof that God is real or God is working, when all you have to do is look around this world and see that God's work. And they said, show us a sign. And Jesus said, I'm not showing you another sign, except the sign that I'm going to be in the ground for three days, and then I'll come again. But Jesus worked miracles. And his apostles and the early church, there were regular occurrences of signs, wonders, and miracles. Those are the words the Bible uses uh, to describe the miraculous. And each of them have a different, uh, kind of a different nuance, a slightly different meaning. Uh, miracle, of course, is supernatural. It is something that goes beyond what you and I can do physically, normally, naturally. We cannot do the miraculous. Only God can. We can ask him. But we cannot do it ourselves, short of his empowering spirit working through us. Wonders. They tell us that this is something extraordinary. This is something unexplainable. This is something that is happening that is not just everyday ho-hum, okay, here's another one. This is a wonder. This is something amazing. And then ultimately, uh, the most normal, the, the most regularly used word in the New Testament for miracles is the word sign. And that word to us kind of seems rather dull compared to miracle, wonder, sign. You know, what, what is a sign? How important is that? Well, ultimately, that was the point of these miracles and these wonders. They were signs that pointed to Jesus. In fact, if you read through the Gospel of John, you won't ever see the word miracle in it. You will see over and over John talks about signs. Because each of these miracles or wonders or signs, whatever you want to call them, ultimately there was a point and a purpose of drawing people to Christ. As we read this passage, I don't know if you've noticed, but that was kind of the point. God was demonstrating his mercy. He was demonstrating his power and his love for people through these miracles. And it validated the work that he was doing through Jesus Christ, through his apostles. And so men and women were coming to Christ. It's very interesting. The Bible makes a couple of really important points here. First of all, it says people were afraid to hang out with the disciples. I mean, because there was like, whoa, there's something amazing going on. There's something different going on. And they'd seen the miracles and the healings, and they also heard about Ananias and Sapphira, what happened to them. And, so, and they also knew that the Jewish religious leaders had already uh, uh, arrested them once and questioned them and stiffly warned them, don't you proclaim that name again. And yet the apostles, they said, we cannot obey you, we must obey God. And they were out there preaching. And so there was, there was this tension between Everybody was kind of afraid to go over in that section of the temple. And by the way, when you read this, you got to get a, a correct idea. When he says temple, he's, he's not just talking about just the, the actual little temple where they worship. Like if I said the church building, I could be referring to just this sanctuary right here. 
but I could be referring to the fellowship hall, the Sunday school classes, the youth building, the children's wing, uh, the pavilion, and I could say all of this is the church building. Well, that's kind of when he says temple, there was this huge complex, this huge area that that actually uh, encompassed dozens of acres. When they said the temple, it was this huge area. And this one part of it, which was known as Solomon's Colonnade or, or other um, translations say Solomon's Portico. Now, let me confess, I have no idea what a colonnade or a portico is. I, I, I don't know. Either, neither translation helps me. I know it's something architecturally, but there was this part of the temple area where they were gathering. And some people were too afraid to go over there. And yet, the Lord was adding daily. The Lord was bringing new people to the church because supernaturally their fear and their worry about, will I be in trouble being with those people because I know the, the temple guard don't really like them. And yet God was drawing people. Even as some were afraid, others were coming daily. And the Bible says both men and women. This was something that God was doing among all people. Everybody's equal at the foot of the cross. All can come to him. Signs and wonders were a regular occurrence in the early church. I don't say, I don't want to say ordinary. (laughs) They never became ordinary. They never lost their amazing, their wow factor. But they happened enough, like I said, over 20 times in the book of Acts, you see God would do these miraculous signs and wonders. And they were there. Uh, to point people to Jesus Christ. Signs and wonders, we also need to know, are never a test of spirituality. There are people who would like to say that, you know, if you're really, really spiritual, if you're really blessed, if you really have a full dose of the Holy Spirit, or if you're really close to God, then you're going to do miraculous things. When the truth of the word, the word of God is, the Bible says that he gifts every believer according to his will. God chooses to give us different gifts and abilities. And each of us, our goal is not to do the miraculous, but our goal is to do God's will. Our goal is for God to be glorified. And whatever shape or form that takes in our life, that's what we're supposed to be about. Now, do we want to pray for signs and wonders to be done? Absolutely. We should pray that God will show out. But it really doesn't matter if it happens through me or through you or or whoever. It, It just matters that God's name is glorified. And so in Acts chapter 4, after the apostles got out of prison, after they got done with that questioning, Remember, they went and they prayed and they said, God, give us boldness. And God, would you do mighty signs and wonders? And the ground was shaken. The foundations of that building were shaken. And they went out and they began to do more miraculous things in God's name. But never, ever, ever does God say, I give everybody the same gifts. Or that you're more spiritual or less spiritual depending on whether you do that or not. It's all about God. It's all about his glory. It's not a tool for us or anyone. And so the worst, the worst of the worst, the the folks that Jesus really was most frustrated with, the ones that he was harshest with were in his day were religious leaders who twisted 
uh, God who twisted spirituality for their own power, their own control, their own money. And I would say today that the absolute worst of the worst is not necessarily uh, in prison, but it is somebody who uses God and manipulates people with the guise of, I'll do a miracle, I'll save your healing loved one if you only send in this money. We'll see later on in the book of Acts, there's a circumstance where someone says, hey, Peter, I'll pay you money if you'll give me some miracle power. And Peter says, may you and your money perish with you. God takes that very seriously. We can't manipulate God. We can't make him do anything, but we are to pray that God would use his mighty power to work and to change lives. Signs and wonders happen regularly. Signs and wonders were something that God just chose by his will to do through certain people and not do certain people. But it was never a test of spirituality. It was always a sign for the purpose of evangelism. Why do miracles happen for some and not for others? Why do they happen in circumstances and, and not other times? We don't know. I don't know. Other than to say, it's God's will. I'll never forget praying for the mother of a special needs teenage girl back when I was a youth minister. And I was so certain God was going to heal her. He had to heal her, right? He just had to. In this situation, the, the dad was hardly around. The mom was the rock. She was the one who knew how to take care of this girl. God had to heal her. And I was convinced that he would. He didn't speak to me. He didn't tell me, Tim, I promise you I'm going to heal her. But I was just sure. And yet it didn't happen. Sometimes amazing things do. In my last pastorate, there was a young woman uh, in, our, in our young adults group, married, had a couple of young children, and she came down with a very uh, interesting blood disorder. Her white blood count was lowered, and this gone on for days and then weeks and then months, and she was getting sicker and sicker, and there was no explanation, and there was nothing that the doctors could do. And our church and other believers began to pray for her increasingly, earnestly, God, please do something. And much like my cousin Lee, she came in one day and the doctor said, it's gone. It's all gone. Your blood work is totally back to normal. We have no explanation. We don't know why, but you're healed. Your health is perfect. In fact, God decided to do a little bonus. You know, just like, I'll, I'll just do something else. She'd worn glasses all of her life. And after all that prayer, all of a sudden, she's able to throw those away. Some of y'all are like, amen, that'd be great. Tired of those contacts and those glasses. We didn't even ask for that. It was just like a little overflow, you know. I can't explain that. I don't know how that happened. 
I just know that's what God chose to do and how he chose to respond. Lee's not with us anymore. God did heal him of that lung cancer. But about three years later, he came down with pancreatic cancer. And again, our family and his church, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And yet at this time, God's will was for him to go home and to be with him in glory. Do I understand that? No. I miss him. My children walked in that office where you saw that suit of armor. They could still tell you today how cool that was that they saw Cousin Lee's uh, suit of armor in his office. He was a neat guy. But does that lessen the fact of the miracle that God had done in his life? Not one bit. Just as much as the fact that Lazarus isn't walking around and talking to us today does not erase the fact that Christ raised him from the dead. He went on from there and he got old and at one point he died. As we all will. As is ultimately a mercy for us. Because if we were trapped in these bodies for all of eternity, we would always be saddled with the burden of sin and selfish desires. But God has told us that we will go on to a place where there will be no more sorrow. There will be no sin, no sickness, no death, and no tears. And that is ultimately where we will all go if we have trusted in Jesus Christ. But God chooses sovereignly out of his own will out of a plan that is much bigger than you and I can ever conceive of. He chooses to do miracles in his way, in his timing. I think it's always okay to ask for a miracle. I don't think there's a sin in the world in saying, God, would you do a miracle? Would you help me? Would you save my mom? Would you help my child? God, would you do a miracle? And God can. He is able. But we also have to say, Lord, thy will be done. If it's your will, Lord, make it happen. And as believers, we have to be willing both to give him praise and glory when he does the miracle. And accept and trust him when he doesn't. To say, God, we know you're good. You settled that question of your goodness and your love for us forever on Calvary. When your son laid down his life for us. And so God, we want the miracles. We'd all love them. But Lord, we know you have our good in mind. But God does these miracles. He breaks through the natural, ordinary working of our world. To remind us that he's in control of all things. And that one day, for those of us who believe... A better day is coming. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are almighty. You are all powerful. God, you can do all things. 
And it is amazing to watch your hand at work. Lord, I pray that you would help me and help every single one of us listening here today or those who will listen later to this message recorded. Father, that you would help all of us to be amazed, to never get complacent, to never think that your mighty power is something ordinary or commonplace. Father, that we would also not ignore it, that you are at work in this world. Lord, help us to be used by you to point people to Jesus. We pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.